I'm Rev. Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. The end is near. And by that, I mean the end of these difficult passages in Matthew. It, it has been something else to go through these passages uh, in Matthew. Uh, there's one more, and then we'll be in the season of Advent. And I saved that most difficult passage for Austin to preach next week. So um, I'll be in North Carolina for Thanksgiving. But uh, just to kind of set you up as to where we are in Matthew's gospel, it's the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, and he's got this sort of this sense of urgency that he's, he's trying to get his disciples to get his message, to understand his message before his crucifixion. And so he just lets loose on the religious leaders with his opinion of them, not a good thing for them. Um, he talks to the disciples about the end times, that time at some point when all will come to fruition and the kingdom will be revealed and uh, whatever that looks like, whenever that happens, Jesus is, is pointing us and the disciples in that direction and he uses lessons and stories that we call parables to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And that's really important to remember. Uh, he's not speaking in specifics in these stories. Um, their stories. And so we have to take a broader look at them to try to find meaning in that and uh, to see if we can understand what the kingdom of God is like. And so this section of teaching that has seemed particularly harsh to our ears for the past few weeks um, is harsher in Matthew uh, than it is in Mark and Luke. Um, Last week, we talked about a story that Jesus told about ten bridesmaids. Five were called foolish, five were called wise, because the wise ones brought extra oil uh, as they waited for the bridegroom to return. And the five that didn't have extra oil were left out in the dark. The door was shut to them. And we talked about how there are some things that nobody else can do for you. Nobody else can pray uh, the prayer that you would be praying. Nobody else can read the Bible for you and imprint those words on your heart. Nobody else can attend worship for you. There are things that other people can't do for you. Um, but we noticed in that story that the door was shut, but it was not locked. And so we hoped that perhaps those bridesmaids might just simply be able to open the door and step in uh, to a relationship with the bridegroom, Jesus. Uh, we've got another difficult story today, and so we'll see what we can make of that. We're in Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. For it, the kingdom of God, is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. 
The one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents. His master said to him, uh, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. I have made five more. His master said, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed to me two talents. I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. But then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you do not sow, did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one with the ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This story makes me want to weep and gnash my teeth. Uh, this story has been used through the years in a lot of different ways um, and for lots of different purposes. Um, one of those is the promotion of capitalism and business. Um, but loaning money, interest, and investing, that was against the Jewish law. Um, so it's kind of hard to imagine that being the point that Jesus was trying to make. Um, it's also been used in a lot of stewardship sermons um, and that we need to give our financial resources to the church and if you don't, God will get mad at you. Um, when I was growing up, I also was taught that it was about literal talents like gifts that we have. And um, I was always told if you don't use your gifts for God, He'll take them away. And so I guess that was why all the celebrities thanked God when they received their, their awards. <laughs> a talent, which we hear over and over in this story, was a big piece of precious metal, about 75 pounds. And it was worth 15 years worth of salary. That's a lot of money. So if you make, if we put it in today's terms, if somebody makes $35,000 a year, that's over half a million dollars. So the one who was given five talents, that's like getting two and a half million dollars. Jesus really liked to exaggerate when he was making a point. Most of the commentaries that I read this week make this case. They say that Jesus represents the man going on the journey. Because he was with the people, he was with them, and then he went away, and then he came back. And so Jesus was with the disciples. He was going to go away, but one day would return. And so it's pointing to that end time. 
and that when he returns, he will evaluate how we have lived our lives. Have we used all that we have to spread the gospel or have we held on to the good news only for ourselves, sort of hoarding it in a selfish way? And as for that harsh judgment that we receive, that we hear at the end of that story, most commentators say that um, that's just Matthew. That's Matthew's take, twisting Jesus' words a little bit, that to take away from the ten and, you know, all of that, throwing out in the outer darkness. And I guess there's a case for that interpretation, clearly, because that's <laughs> what most of the ones that I read this week said, but it, it just does not sit right with me. And so as I've reflected on that, I, you know, take it away from him and give it to somebody. How can the gospel be taken away from somebody? Where, where's the mercy and the compassion that Jesus has expressed throughout his ministry? Where is that in this throw him out in the outer darkness, penniless, weeping, gnashing of teeth? I, and then I keep returning to that description of the master as described in this story. He's a horrible person. He's harsh. He calls his servants ugly names. He reaps where he does not sow. He gathers where he did not scatter. Where I come from, we call that stealing. And he takes from those who have nothing and gives it to those who already have enough to last a lifetime. If those in his circle don't bring in more and more and more and more, he casts them out into the outer darkness. That just does not sound like God to me or Jesus. Even if Jesus was urgently trying to make a point, it's still a puzzling choice as to why he would describe the kingdom in that way. It seems like most of the characters in this story are stuck. They are, they're stuck in this worldview where money is the most important thing, where money is the most valuable thing, and getting more of it by whatever means is necessary is the primary goal. They're stuck in this place where the mighty put burdens upon the shoulders of the vulnerable. Those who have nothing are oppressed even more. And that is exactly what Jesus said about the religious leaders when he told the people not to follow them anymore, not to listen to what they said because they didn't practice what they preached. So this is a very difficult story. So where does it leave us? There's one character in this story who behaves differently. And that is the servant who was given the one talent. The servant who buried it away. He didn't participate. He didn't participate in that system of more, 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 give me more, give me more, make more money. He didn't participate in that. He didn't spend the money on himself. He didn't misuse it. He just didn't participate in making the master richer. A man who had enough money for 16 lifetimes. So I'm wondering if Jesus is describing himself as the man who was given the one talent. Because what that guy did, it was a subversive act. 
Um, he made a decision not to participate in a structure um, that was about greed, that takes from the poor and gives to the rich. He made a decision not to participate in that. And when he was confronted with that decision, he spoke the truth. I knew you were harsh, so I didn't participate. So maybe Jesus is telling his disciples and telling us that to follow him means that we have to live in a different way than the way the world tells us to operate. That to follow Jesus means risking banishment from the rest of the world. That by not participating in ways that harm vulnerable people, we might just find ourselves among them. Jesus was certainly cast away by his community of faith and by the Roman government. He was killed. There was weeping. There was gnashing of teeth. And he was placed in the darkness of the tomb. But he did not stay there. Because we know that Easter happened. We know that on the third day, he was resurrected. He proved that new life is possible, that eternal life is possible. And this thing that he taught, that the kingdom of God is within us. Wow. It's not just this thing that's going to happen one day, this thing for us to worry about, this thing for us to be scared of. It's not, it's already here. So how can we live differently, even subversively, to challenge the ways of greed, the ways of oppression, by what we buy and by what we consume and by what we watch and listen to and who we support and how we treat people. How can we live in ways that let the kingdom of God that is within us flourish in the here and now to make the decision to walk the hard path, to make the tough decisions, and to truly live out the gospel, the good news. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.